Open your Bibles to the book of Romans, chapter number 12. Thankful for each of you that are in the service tonight and looking forward to what the Lord's going to do in the revival meeting. Book of Romans, chapter number 12, and I will take but one verse of Scripture for our text, and it will be verse number 11. Book of Romans, chapter 12, and verse number 11. And I would invite you to stand with me as I read the Word of God. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 11. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. I want us tonight to focus our heart's attention on that little phrase, fervent in spirit. And for a few moments, I want to speak to you on the subject tonight, God doesn't want you and I to be a thermometer, but a thermostat. <laughs> Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this privilege to stand behind a sacred desk to preach the Word of God. If I know my heart, I want to be a blessing. <coughs> but the only way that I can be is if you hide me behind the cross and fill me with the Spirit. Place a hedge around this great church by the blood of Christ to keep the devil and his demons from hindering this service. Save the sinner and stir the saint. Heavenly Father, for all that you'll do in our midst and even in our hearts tonight, we will be careful to give you all the praise and honor and glory. Bless and protect my precious family as I'm away. Give us fresh warm bread from the oven of heaven to feed from tonight. And Lord, I'd request, oh, how I would request that you'd clothe me in my calling. For we ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. I almost feel that I need Brother Osborne to give a little background, a little backdrop to the message that I'm going to attempt to preach tonight. It was back in the fall of last year, October of 2021, that I was in a revival meeting in Wetumpka, Alabama. And during that revival meeting in Wetumpka, I happened to notice that on the choir modesty rail was not a thermometer, but a thermostat. One night in the service, I asked the pastor about it. I said, uh, is that uh, piece of uh, equipment, uh, does it work? Is it real? Uh, does it operate? And he said, it has never worked. He said, why, do you want it? And I said, absolutely. And so I have in the pulpit tonight the actual thermostat that was on the modesty rail, on the modesty rail of the Grace Baptist Church. It was in that revival meeting staring at this thermostat every night before preaching that the message was birthed 
in my heart. It is the Heavenly Father's supreme desire that every one of His children would not be busy measuring the spiritual temperature, but burden making sure that the spiritual temperature is rapidly moving up on the indicator of their life and labor for eternity. Fire starter logs and never fire extinguishers are what's needed in the work of God this hour. One red-hot believer will do more for God in good uh, in a year uh, than ten ice-cold believers will do in a hundred years. God doesn't want you and I to be a thermometer, but a thermostat. In the book of Romans, chapter 12, we find uh, the Christian life and service. Sidebar, if I was stranded on a desert island, and all I had was the 21 verses of Romans chapter 12, I would have enough of the Bible to live a successful Christian life. Now, this chapter could be easily or effortlessly outlined like this. Transformation, verses 1 through 2. Evaluation, verse 3. Cooperation, verses 4 through 16. And then, vindication, verses 17 through 21. It is while the Apostle Paul is dealing under the direct inspiration of the Holy Spirit with cooperation that a person sees the believer's mission, mindset, and Dr. Bloom mantra uh, from here to eternity in three simple words, verse 11, fervent in spirit. The word fervent means to be hot, to boil of liquids, or to glow of solids. The sister verse of Romans 12, 11, oh, is Acts 18, 25. This man, Apollos, was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the Spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. Evangelist Oliver B. Green once wrote about our text, the church life is to be characterized by energy and by warmth in serving the Lord. He went on to write, in other words, a person who is born again should be the most alert person in the community. If some people in secular work were no more zealous in their business transactions than they are in their spiritual life, they would be fired. And then Oliver B. Green simply writes, and tying up his thought, it is disheartening to see the way some people carry on their work for the Lord. Never forget, a job of a thermometer is measuring temperature, while the job of a thermostat is regulating temperature. And God wants His people to be the latter rather than the former. Now, if you miss everything that I preach tonight, I pray that you would not miss that. And it even bears repeating, a job, a job, a job of the thermometer is measuring temperature. Well, the job of a thermostat is regulating temperature, and God wants His people 
to be the latter rather than the former. Friend, you and I, those of us that are saved, need to be not thermometers, but we need to be thermostats. Now, quickly tonight, now I want to give you five things. Five things that will always fire up the believer. And you may want to scratch these down somewhere in your Bible, but my, how it would be far better if God would scratch them down on the pages or tables of our heart. Let's quickly notice it tonight. God doesn't want you and I to be a thermometer. God wants you and I to be a thermostat. Number one, scriptures. Jeremiah 20 and 9. Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in mine heart as a burning fire, shut up in my bones, and I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. A thing that will always fire up the believer is scriptures. In Jeremiah 20 and 9, the prophet Jeremiah tells us that he regretted his unpopular ministry and message of the Babylonian captivity in regards to God's people. But then he remembers the Word of God and he has his own personal <laughs> revival meeting. The hymn writer, Gene Bartlett, understood this very truth extremely well when he penned, Set my soul afire, Lord, for thy holy word. Burn it deep within me. Let thy voice be heard. Breaking news, nothing in this world will build a blaze in a believer's heart like the Bible. Let me say that again. Breaking news, nothing will build a fire in the believer's heart like the Bible. You see, God doesn't want you and I uh, to be a thermometer, but God wants you and I to be a thermostat. And the way we can set the temperature, the way we can be on fire, the way we can be stirred, the way we can be a blazing believer is by way of scriptures. The Bible says in Jeremiah 5, 14, Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of hosts, because ye speak this word, behold, I will make my words in thy mouth fire, and this people would, and it shall devour them. All oh, the King James Bible, not commentaries, coloring books, or comics. The King James Bible, if you'll read it, memorize it, and study it, it will both uh, their feed and fan a flame in your heart. You see, God doesn't want you and I to be a thermometer, but God wants you and I to be a thermostat. And a way that we can turn that thermostat up is by way of scriptures. In a small town, the volunteer fire department's telephone was answered by the policeman on duty who would in turn sound the fire whistle to rally the volunteers to duty. One Saturday morning, the town chief of police had just come on duty when the fire department phone rang. He picked up the phone and said, fire department, a voice on the other end of the line frantically said, send the fire truck. Then the caller immediately slammed the phone down. The police chief stood stunned, 
not knowing what to do. In a few minutes, the phone rang again. Quickly, he picked it up and again sent fire department. Again, the voice cried, send the fire truck. Again, the caller immediately hung up, realizing, Dr. Bloom, that someone's house was possibly at stake. He devised a plan as to how to keep the caller, to keep the caller from hanging up if she called back. Sure enough, the phone rang again. He quickly asked, where's the fire? The lady on the other end screamed in the kitchen and then slammed the phone down. Hey, child of God, if you and I are on fire for God, nobody will ask where's the fire or think it's in the kitchen. They will know that it's in our heart because there was a moment, because there was a minute that we decided that we weren't going to be the thermometer, but that we would be a thermostat. Number two, let me hasten scriptures. Number two, supplications. 1 Kings 18, 37, hear me. O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. A thing that will always fire up uh, the believer is supplications. In 1 Kings 18, 37, the unknown writer tells us that at the showdown of Mark, at Mount Carmel, uh, the, the ascending of the fire uh, and the, even the slaying of the false prophets of Baal uh, were all sparked by the six words, hear me, O Lord, hear me. Don't miss this. One of the greatest revivals for the roads and public exposure of charlatans and overwhelming victories for the people of God on the pages of the Holy Scriptures was the product of prayer. Friend, you and I need to be uh, not uh, a thermometer, but you and I need to be a thermostat uh, when it comes to supplications. Why, there are several prayers that are seen from Brother Elijah's prayer that will absolutely ignite the child of God. First of all, there's Bible prayers. 1 Kings 18, 36, and it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art the God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done according to all these things at thy word. Oh, a prayer seen from the prayer of Brother Elijah that will there absolutely ignite the child of God is Bible prayers. Nothing will move a believer's prayer life from their dull to delightful like pursuing and perusing the pages of the Word of God and seeing how people in the Bible prayed. Oh, listen, it will ignite our prayer life. It will fire up our prayer life. It will spark our prayer life. Bible prayers. Secondly, believing prayers. 1 Kings 18, 37, hear me, O Lord, hear me. Uh, oh, a thing uh, about the prayer seen from Brother Elijah's prayer that will absolutely ignite the child of God is believing prayers. Uh, doubt and disbelief have deep-sixed more 
answers to supplication than any other single thing. Oh, there's believing prayers. And then thirdly, there's bold prayers. First Kings 18, uh, 38, then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. Oh, you see a prayer, a scene from Brother Elijah's prayer that will absolutely ignite the child of God is bold prayers. Don't worry about being daring at the throne of grace because if it's God's will, it doesn't matter how daring you may be, God can deliver, oh my, God can deliver. It doesn't matter how daring that prayer may be, God, if it's, if it's his will, can deliver. Oh, that every single believer that was in this service tonight and watching by way of internet and listening by way of radio would realize uh, that the prayers uh, seen from Brother Elijah just prayer that will absolutely ignite the child of God are Bible prayers, believing prayers, and bold prayers. The very first time, Brother Osborne, I preached this sermon the very first time was at the New Hope Baptist Church in Kinderville, Indiana, in a regional Sword of the Lord conference. It would have been in the fall of last year, 2021. And I had the first slot in that service, and after I preached, the editor of the Sword of the Lord, my intimate friend, Dr. Shelton Smith, got up to preach. And in that next hour, with tears in his eyes, Dr. Bloom, in a voice that slightly broke with emotion, he said, folks, Dr. Hamlin told you the truth, and you can ask God for big things. That night, the audience and I would learn uh, that early that morning, he had asked God in prayer for a $10,000 need. And before the turning of the day's calendar page, that prayer by the Osborne was answered even above and beyond what was needed. You say, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying we don't need another thermometer. I don't know how many thermometers there are at the Central Baptist Church, but I promise you, spiritually speaking, we don't need another thermometer. Everywhere I go, people tell me what the spiritual temperature is. I understand what it is. We don't need another thermometer, but would to God there be birthed in this service and birthed from this revival meeting some people who would say, I'm not going to be a thermometer, but I'm going to be a thermostat, and I'm going to run hot and high for the Lord. Amen. Supplications. Number three, sinners. Jude 23, and others saved with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh, a thing that will always fire up the believer is sinners. In Jude 23, the earthly half-brother of the lovely Lord Jesus Christ, Jude, uh, tells us uh, that he was doing everything he could to reach lost souls, not even sparing their feelings before they stepped out into the chasm of a crisis eternity. You may be here tonight uh, and you have a religion, but you don't have a relationship 
Hear me and hear me well. People don't go to heaven because they're Baptists. People don't go to heaven because they're Catholics. People don't go to heaven because they're Methodists. People go to heaven because they have Jesus Christ in their heart. The Bible says in Acts 4.12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Friend, you and I need to be thermostats instead of thermometers by way of sinners. The Bible says in Psalm, uh, rather Luke, Luke 16, 24, and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. Tune in. Uh, it's the fires of hell that ought to keep the believer on fire for soul winning so that the unbeliever doesn't find themselves in the fires of hell. Oh, listen, don't be a thermometer, but be a thermostat and turn up that thermostat real high, and what will do that is simply sinners. Dr. George W. Truitt once told a story that years ago in a mammoth fireman's parade that was held in New York City, firefighting apparatuses of all kinds were entered into the parade, but roads in several of the vehicles rode men, women, boys, and girls. Large streamers were fastened uh, on both sides of the vehicles, bearing the words, these, oh my, were rescued from burning buildings by the New York City firemen. The rescue brought glory to the brave firemen. Then the great preacher of yesteryear said, In heaven, great glory will resound to the one who rescued us from eternal burning by his infinite grace and his precious blood. Whoop goes right there. And friend, if you want to be on fire for God, if you want to be excited for the Lord, if you want to be a blazing believer, then I would say to all of us tonight, we got to stop being a thermometer and we've got to go ahead and start being a thermostat. And what will fire us up is sinners. Number four. Spending hours with the, the Savior. Luke 24, 32, And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us? Well, he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the Scriptures, a thing that will always fire up the believer is spending hours with the Savior. In Luke 24, 32, the physician Luke tells us that two disciples on the road to Emmaus have some very special moments with the risen Son of God. A person must note from this divine narrative that it was seven miles from the Osborne to Emmaus. Seven miles. This would take two hours and 20 minutes at a relaxed pace. And one hour and 17 minutes at a fast pace. Let me just say in passing uh, that I may not understand everything that's in the Bible, but everything that's in the Bible is supposed to be in the Bible. There's no miswords. There's no misverses. 
There's no missed chapters. Everything that's in the Bible is supposed to be in the Bible. And the Bible, again, is a book of divine detail. And let me just go ahead and run that by you one more time. Uh, at uh, uh, a uh, uh, relaxed pace, uh, uh, seven miles to Emmaus, it would take, uh, I figured it out, Brother Osborne, two hours and 20 minutes at a relaxed pace and one hour and 17 minutes at a fast pace. Unvarnished truth. No believer should ever wonder why their heart doesn't burn within them when they can't even get one hour and 17 minutes. They're a fast pace walking to Emmaus out of seven days of combined time spent with Jesus. Should I give the invitation right now? We wonder why we're not on fire. We wonder why we're not excited. We wonder why we're not blazing for the Lord. And here on that road to Emmaus, we find the answer to that. And by the way, spending time with the Lord, one hour and 17 minutes, uh, Dr. Woodward, uh, in combined in a week's time, liking things on Facebook, liking memes don't count as spending hours with Jesus. Hello? I said that the other night preaching. I said, hello. And Mrs. Bloom, a lady on the back row, said goodbye. And got up and walked out. <laughs> still can't believe Mrs. Hamlin did that to me. I still can't believe she did it. Oh, friend, you and I need to be thermostats uh, uh, instead of thermometers uh, by spending hours with the Savior. The Bible says in James 4, 8, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Preacher, I asked one of my heroes, preacher, I asked one of my heroes, Dr. Sammy Allen, who came, came to hear me preach, I asked Dr. Allen, I said, what would be a mistruth to the power of God? What would be a mistruth of the fullness of the Spirit? What would be a mistruth in the anointing of God? And I'll never forget it, preacher Dr. Sammy Allen looked at me, one of my heroes, and he said, Dr. Hamlin, we got to spend more time with Jesus than we do anybody else. We don't need any more thermometers. I realize it's cold. I realize some of you have been telling me how cold it is. And bless your heart, I, I've been enjoying it. I'm from Michigan. I mean, what you're having right now is like summertime in Michigan. But you know, we know what the temperature is physically and spiritually. We know it's cold physically, we, even in Ocala, Florida. We know it's cold uh, spiritually. We understand that. It, it doesn't take, uh, uh, I mean, a uh, uh, preacher with a uh, long line of degrees uh, uh, that's uh, as long as a freight train. I mean, we can figure it out tonight. Uh, somebody help me preach uh, that it is cold uh, physically and it's cold spiritually. And so we're not looking for a thermometer. We're we're looking for somebody that would say, you know what? I'm going to be a thermostat and I'm going to get on fire for God. Spending hours with the Savior. And then number five, and last of all, my time's gone. Not only scriptures, 
and supplications and sinners and spending hours with the Savior. But number five, and last of all, and I hope that you've, I hope that you just put these down uh, next to Romans 12 and verse number 11. It's interesting. Look at our text. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. This kind of reminds me of a sandwich and you got that one piece of bread, not slothful in business. And then you got that other slice of bread serving the Lord. But the meat in the middle is fervent in spirit. Number five, and last of all, spirit's fullness. Acts 2, 3, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. A thing that will always fire up the believer is the Spirit's fullness. In Acts 2, 3, the physician Luke tells us that in a 10-day prayer meeting in the upper room in Jerusalem, a hundred and twenty disciples prayed for the fullness of the Holy Spirit to fully understand verse uh, 3. A person must couple it with verse 4, and they're all filled with the Holy Ghost. C.I. Schofield, Dr. Woodard may have offered the best insight in this incident when he said the New Testament distinguishes between having the Spirit, which is true of all believers, and being filled with the Spirit, which is the believer's privilege and duty. Friend, you and I need to be thermostats instead of thermometers by way of the Spirit's fullness. The Bible says in Leviticus 24.2, command the children of Israel that they bring unto thee pure oil beaten for the light to cause the lamps to burn continually. That is an Old Testament type of the New Testament Spirit-filled life. The only break wall that will keep the tidal waves of apostasy, atheism, and even apathy from washing over the New Testament church, uh, hear me tonight, is spirit-filled believers. Vance Habner once said, without the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the preacher may storm, the teacher may strive, the Christian worker may sweat, but all to no avail. I hope tonight that you'll never pass a thermometer. And I know this is an old school thermometer. It, it looks like it ought to be in a museum somewhere. But I hope after the message tonight, you'll never pass a thermometer without thinking, God doesn't want me to be a thermometer. God wants me to be a thermostat. I'm closing with this. Back in 2005, around that time, I don't think I'll ever forget an experience with my mentor, Dr. Tom Malone Sr. He and I and Dr. Shelton Smith, we were together preaching in a Bible conference at the Midwestern Baptist College in Pontiac, Michigan. And Dr. Malone, uh, to be around 2005, he graduated to glory on January 7, 2007. And he was up in years and he wasn't feeling well. And he called me the night before that he was to close the conference the next morning. 
And he said, uh, Dr. Hamlin, I'm not sure that physically I'm going to be able to do it. He said, I'm going to do my best. But physically, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to close the conference. I, I want you to be ready. And he said, if I do come to preach, he said, I, I hate to do this, but I'm going to have to preach from a chair. And he said, I won't be able to fellowship after the service. I, I'm going to need a driver to get me right back home. And I'm just not feeling well. And, and Brother Osborne, I told him, I said, whatever you need, whatever we have to do, that's exactly what we'll do. He was there to close that conference the next morning. I'll never forget it. And weak in body, but strong in spirit. He crawled up into that chair. It was leaning up against that pulpit. And for about Mrs. Bloom, maybe 15, 20 minutes, he preached on the fullness of the Spirit. For me to try to describe that service would be like trying to describe a sunrise or a sunset to a blind man. You absolutely could sense the power of God. Preached about 15, 20 minutes, and then he went to start the invitation. And before Brother Osborne, he could ever start the invitation. Some 60-plus preachers, and I was one of them, were not on our knees, but were on our faces, asking God to give us that touch, asking God to give us that power, asking God to give us that fullness. I don't know what their testimony has been from then till now, but I can say for myself, I've never been the same. And friend, I submit to you that you will never be the same when you decide the days of me being a thermometer are over and the days when I'm a thermostat are just beginning. And what will fire us up is the Spirit's fullness. Her heads are bowed, her eyes are closed.